That was great, amen? Sometimes you just have to dance, right, Trevor? Yeah, I came about as close as I ever came out there to getting in there with Trevor. I almost got there. But I looked around, I didn't see any paramedics. Figure I get up there and do what he's doing, I'm going to need one. But, um, you know, isn't that the challenge? In the challenge that we're dancing on all the rubbish of life. We're dancing on all the chaos, all the pain, all the confusion. I mean, that's what Jesus did. He walked on water. He would have danced on water, but the guys would have had a heart attack in the boat if they'd have seen him dancing on water. Walking is about all they could handle at that point. And uh, they had a hard time handling that. But um, several of you have asked, and you've been praying so much and so faithfully for Susan. Let me give you a quick report. And it's a good report. Um, We've... uh, I counted up uh, this morning the last five weeks, and that's of work days, Monday through Fridays. And over the last five weeks, we've had 17 doctor's appointments. And um, that's 25 days. Um, we, th- to this morning will be our sixth this week. Um, so we've had them every day this week. But they've been good reports. On Tuesday, we met with our oncologist who we did PET scans a couple of weeks ago, and we got the report on that. There's still no new cancer in her brain, and that's just a big hallelujah. Um, There's small uh, lesions in her lung. Um, I don't know if it's three or four, but they're small, and they're stable, and they're not growing, and not a threat at the moment. And uh, we're very thankful for that. The blood clot she had is gone. It's disappeared. And uh, the Lord just took that away. So we're very thankful for that. Uh, She's still uh, challenged with her double vision, and we're getting some uh, special glasses uh, probably Monday um, that are just regular glasses with the prisms on them that they paste on so they can adjust them as we go along if they need to. And we're getting those on Monday, and hopefully that's going to really relieve some of the uh, struggle she has with the double vision. And um, so, so we're very encouraged um, right now with, with what the Lord is doing and the way he's answering prayer. Uh, but more than anything, um, you know, I was thinking there as we were worshiping and clapping and dancing and... and uh, that as long as we have our salvation, as long as we have that helmet of salvation in place, as long as Jesus' name is wonderful, as long as Jesus never changes and he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, as long as we're forgiven for every sin and nothing will ever change that, as long as we know we're going to heaven and nothing can stop that, we can dance. I don't care what's going on. And that's what we decided we we're going to do. We we're just going to dance. No matter what the news is, we're going to dance. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to go, hey, that's what God's called us to today. The blood clot's gone. Hallelujah. There may be seven on their way. But today we're dancing and we'll be dancing tomorrow and we'll be dancing the next day. We've decided on that. And nothing's going to change that. And um, no matter what. And so we have to be no matter what on some things. And so we decided we're going to be no matter what. That that's what we're going to do. Because if we focus on the problems, we'll never get the solution. We have to focus on the solution. Amen? Amen. 
And so that's what we're doing right now. We're focusing. We're trying to get, get uh, oriented. We're getting direction. We're getting vision. Who are we? Where are we going? Why are we here? How are we going to get there? We're trying to answer those questions. Everybody has to answer those questions for who, for whatever deal you're in. Every business, you know, we've got to have a business plan. We've got to have, you know, faith statements and vision statements and all this stuff that you've got to have. Um, your five-year plan, which I've had a hard time getting a five-minute plan in my life. Um, so that was one they never got for me, a five-year plan. I mean, what do I know what I'm going to be doing in five years? <laughs> what do you want to be doing? I want to be doing what I'm doing now, just walking with the Lord. Trying to be faithful, trying to be a man of God, trying to be a good husband and father. In five years, that's something what I still want to try to be doing. So I know that's my five-year plan. But as far as knowing what God's going to do in my life, my business, my career, my ministry, I don't know. Um, and, and, if, and I believe in that axiom that says, if you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plans are. Um, we sure didn't plan to be where we are today. And doing what God has given us the opportunity to do today and where we are and what's going on. And uh, who would have ever planned that? You know, in five years, I want my wife to have a brain tumor. Well, we would have never put that down on our, on our five-year plan. But it was on God's five-year plan for us. And our two-year, whatever plan we were going to draw up. And, um, and he knows what he's doing. And we told him, and he challenged us on this, all along the way, ministry is creating an environment where the Holy Spirit is welcome to come and help himself to your life. Have you ever told God to help himself to your life? Does that strike fear in your heart when you say, God, help yourself to my life? Because he helped himself to Jesus' life. He helped himself to my life. He continues to do that in my wife's life my unborn son's life. And so there, we're learning there's nothing to be afraid of when you say, God, help yourself to my life. Because he's going to help himself in a way that no matter what he helps himself to, no matter what he calls us to, no matter what opportunities he gives us, he'll give us the grace and the strength and the faith to endure, to become more than conquerors, to be overcomers. He always does that if you want it, if you'll, if you'll trust him, if you'll just put your faith in him. And if all the other things aren't gone yet, if they're going to go, like the lesions in her lung and no more brain cancer, you know, coming, you know, in the future, that may or may not be the case. We talked last week about being in a marathon here. Um, that we are, we got, you know, so many new friends that have MD after their name, so many ologists, this ologist, that ologist. I mean, we got a stable full of ologists, um, of, of men and women that are just wonderful and they're doing everything they can do to extend her life, keep her in a high quality of life. And, and we're just, uh, following the Lord. We're going down the homeopathic thing. We're going down the conventional medicine thing. We're asking God to lead us and give us wisdom and all this stuff. Even today, we meet with our oncologist, and uh, he's going to try to come up with a plan, and I think I'm going to call an audible um, on that. We'll see how that works out. Um, 
But we're just free, and, and it's wonderful to be free in Christ. It's wonderful to, you know, it's easy for me to say I'm not the one with double vision and the memory issues that Susan's, you know, challenged with. But she's keeping such a sweet spirit and such a great attitude. And it's not just because she's a sweet, great woman. It's because of your prayers. We, we're, we're not confused about that. It's because people are storming the gates of heaven every day on her behalf. And on mine, too, everybody's going, how are you doing? Are you holding up? Some days I'm doing better than others. I got a good report on my blood panel. I always shake in my boots when I get a blood panel. Because I've never made the cholesterol range. But I have two times in a row now, my cholesterol has been in the range. And I don't even know why. Um, and and uh, the sugar is pretty low. I always am challenged with keeping my sugar down and staying pre-diabetic and not diabetic. I like that pre part. Um, so I'm still trying to keep it down, you know, and that number was down. We can live with it. Um, so God's keeping me strong so I can be there for her. But that's about because of your prayers, too. Now, I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, and I want to read some verses here that are talking about our vision. And I've shared with you the last couple of weeks our vision of seeing men, thousands of men. This is what we're about. And I told you last week, and I'll tell you again, if, this is, if you can't resonate with this if, this, if you can't listen to this and say, that's what I want to be, that's the man I want to be, that's what I, want to, that's what I am, that's what I'm growing to be, and that's what I will be. If you can't resonate with that, this is the wrong place. This is what what we're doing here. So here you go. We see men, thousands of men, not as they are, but as they will be when they make Jesus Christ Lord of their life. Increasingly so. We see thousands of men who know what their purpose is and they're not confused about it. And they make all of life's decisions with the gospel of Jesus Christ in full view. We see thousands of men who are hungry to grow in Christ and become the men that God created them to be. So they take opportunities. We'll unpack that a little later. We see men secure in their identity as men of God. As spiritual leaders with their wives and children in their church. We see men who are free in Christ, committed to helping other men find that same freedom. That means get out from under the performance-based, law-based religion that we're all raised with, to a place of freedom in that truth that sets men free. We see men who are alert and focused and prepared. And that's simply by spending time in God's presence, standing firm in the faith. We see men serving in their church, exercising their God-given talents and gifts and passions. We see men who are influencing their world for Jesus Christ because they have become just like him. And finally, we see men banding together. Banding together to finish strong, to help each other get to the well-done, good and faithful servant finish line. Guys, banding together with a group of brothers is not optional if you want to be a man of God, if you're going to grow in your faith. If you're going to be helped and corrected and rebuked and trained in righteousness, you've got to have other men in your life. You'll never be the man of God you could be or should be without other godly men of God in your life. Iron sharpening iron. Men helping each other through the times of life 
that are difficult, that are men who are coming alongside and lifting up and praying and carrying brothers, being there for them, financially being there for them, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, being there, helping, supporting, encouraging. I mean, we're never going to be there. We're going to die away if we don't have that. We need men that are models and mentors and teachers, prophets, evangelists, guys in our life that have gifts we don't have, guys that can help us do things we could not do without them. That's what a group like this is all about. Every guy needs a group like this, but very few guys have one. If you look around the landscape of what's going on in the church today, very, very few men or have the advantage and the opportunity we have here of being a band of brothers. And um, so that's where we are and that's where we're going. These first three, I want to read 2 Corinthians five fourteen through 17. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we, were once, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we don't do it anymore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are gone. The new man is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. Hallelujah. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. So we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Guys, in, in that passage, which is five, fourteen through 20. In that passage, we see all three of the first three visions. We see God looking at men and seeing them not as they are, but as they will be. In days to come, as they grow in Christ. We see men who understand and know their purpose in life. They're not confused about what my life is all about. People are out searching. And that's been one of life's great questions for men. What is life really all about? What's the meaning of life? Well, see, when a guy comes to know Jesus Christ, that, that's answered from now and eternity. He didn't ever have to ask that question anymore. And then hungry to grow in Christ. You know, that 17th verse, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. You know, that word creature has never been an attractive word for me. When I was about seven years old, they came out with a movie called The Creature from the Black Lagoon. That's all I think of every time I say the word creature. You know, it actually means just a human being or a person, usually a specified type of person. And it can mean something or a person that's unusual or is unexpected, deviating from the norm of uncertain nature or classification. That was certainly the creature from the Black Lagoon. He was deviating from the norm big time. 
But you know, when I read that definition of what a creature is, I think, that was Jesus. He deviated from the norm. He got killed for it. He was a person of a specified type. He was a new creature. When a guy comes to know Jesus Christ, he becomes a new creature. The old creature has passed away. Now he's a whole brand new creature. Now he's on a new journey, a new walk, a new adventure, a new experience. And that experience is all about coming just to be like Jesus Christ. Transformed, conformed into his image. We call it discipleship or spiritual growth or whatever you want to call it. But that's all it's about. It's just about becoming like Jesus. And that's the third question. That's why we ask the third question before you put a man of God wristband on. Third question is, do you want to spend the rest of your life learning to become just like Jesus? If you can't answer that question yet, then you're not a man of God. You're not a man after God's own heart. You're not a man who's continuing and committed to continuing following him. A man who's decided that my life is all about becoming just like him. It's not about being a good church guy. It's not about being religious. It's not about being spiritual. It's not about really what I know or don't know about the Bible. I mean, all that's important and it has its place in helping us grow and being transformed and conformed. But it starts out with a motivation where he says the, the Christ love, the love of Christ compels us. That means pressures us and causes us to action. I'm compelled. I do this because I have to do this. I, I don't just want to do this. It's my life blood. It's like breathing. You know that, that song that we sing, this is the air I breathe. This is the, the word of God living in me. We see a guy that knows Jesus Christ. That's not something he has to kind of wonder about. Or hope happens. That's what's going on in his heart and his life as he grows in Christ. That's the spirit that he's been given. See, this guy's a new creature because he's been given a new spirit. That old spirit, that old man, has passed away. Now he has a new spirit. And this new spirit is not a spirit of timidity. It's a spirit of power and love and discipline. It's a spirit of dancing. It's a spirit of overcoming. It's a spirit of walking on the chaos of life. It's a spirit of rejoicing and turning the other cheek and going the second mile and blessing those who persecute you. It's a new spirit. It's a spirit the man's never had before, and he has to get used to that spirit. He has to give in to that spirit. He has to learn to surrender and lay his life down to that spirit. He's got to get to that place, and it's a hard place to get to, of denying himself and taking up his cross and following Jesus Christ, being crucified with him. Dying to that old self, the old desires, the old visions, the old mission, the old passions, the old goals, and adopting totally new goals. And that's that second part of the vision where he says, who know their purpose, making all of life's decisions with the gospel of Jesus Christ in full view. In other words, Growing in Christ and becoming God's man and wanting to see Jesus, that name of Jesus we just sang about, how great and wonderful and powerful that name is. Purpose. The reason why something's done, the aim or intention of, the aim or goal that a person has, the feeling of being determined to do it, 
an object or end to be attained or achieved. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what's your object that you're trying to attain or achieve? What's the number one object? I mean, you've got a lot of things you're about and a lot of things you need to do, and your do list is, is long. But what is that one thing that can't be compromised? That one thing that you know when you, when you have to come up with that answer, that hard answer of what am, what's my life all about? What am I giving my life in exchange for? Because you're going to give your life in exchange for something. And it better be worth your life. It better be something worth surrendering to. Disciplining yourself. Training yourself. To achieve that goal. What do you got in your life that's worth that? Some guys would say, and I know at one point, Glenn would say, it's, I want to be a, a weightlifter. I want to be a bodybuilder. I want to be a certain... And he has attained his goals. I mean, he's broken all kinds of records and... You know, every every age group and every weight, he's he's got all the records. But that's not his goal in life. His goal is to use that to for the gospel. And what do you say, Glenn, every time you lift that weight? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And then he lifts that sucker over his head and sets a new record. Because he's never forgotten why he's the weightlifter. He's not in there just for the accolades. He's not in there just to be noticed or to get trophies or set new records. He's in there because he's making the gospel. He's taking that as a platform for the gospel. Letting the people know where his power and his strength and his motivation and what compels him. The love of Christ compels him. That's his purpose. That's why he does what he does. It's really good not to have to wonder anymore, what's my life all about? <laughs> what's next? See, when, when your purpose in life is to please God, and um, your ambition, your particular goal, it's something you hope to do, accomplish, achieve, it's okay to be ambitious if you're ambitious for the right thing. Men tend to be ambitious for the wrong things, for power, for fame. For influence. I mean, what is politics and corporate executive and climbing the ladders and all that? What is that all about? Isn't it about power? Power over? It's not about, when's the last time you heard any politician call a public servant? I mean, that's what we used to call them. They're servants of the people. Uh, Whoever calls them that anymore? Because that's not who they are and that's not what they're about. They're after having a career of of being in politics and all that goes along with it. All the prestige, the title, the positions, the money, the retirement package. The control over others. The power to do that. That's what kings have. Administrators have. I mean, I had a guy in the, in the, when I was on KP in, in basic training, he had one stripe. He might as well had five stars. Because that's a power he had over me, and he exercised that power. I'm not sure what I did to impress him <laughs> or impact his life. But whatever it was, he had me on the back sink every time I came in there. Five times I counted how many times I had KP in basic training. And after 14 hours of hands on the back sink, you look at your hands and they'll never be the same again. They're wrinkled, they're shriveled, they're messed up. They, I was young and I re- improved and 
they came back to life. But I was on that back sink, and that guy had power over me. Anything he said do, I had to do. And General Eisenhower could have been reincarnated and come back. And couldn't have had more power over me than that guy had. And he loved it. Men love power. We love to be in control. To our demise. Amen? Amen. See, all this is from God. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. So if you want a goal in life, say, okay, my goal in life is to reconcile myself to God and myself to others and others to God and, and others. That's what we do. We reconcile. We bring peace between. We bring two together. Jesus came to reconcile us. He left his throne in heaven and said, these guys are separated from God. They have no hope. They have no plan. That'll get them out of this. They cannot help themselves. They're stuck. So I'm going to leave my throne in heaven at my Father's will. And I'm going to come down and I'm going to get them unstuck. I'm going to give them the opportunity to become new men. New creatures in Christ. Set free. Forgiven. I'm going to do for them what they cannot do for themselves. And so he reconciled us to God through his death on the cross. He took our penalty. He took our sin on himself. And then he gave us the faith to believe that that's, if I'll put my faith in him, he'll forgive my sin. And there was some spiritual interaction, some explosion, some supernatural transference of that I don't understand, but I know it happened to me. It's like the guy that got healed, that Jesus healed the blind guy, and they, they were questioning him about Jesus working on the Sabbath. And God went, I don't know, you guys are the experts. I don't know where he's good or bad. All I know is I was blind and now I see. You go make up your own conclusions. It's kind of what I want to tell some doctors sometimes when they say, put this poison in your body and we'll get you well. I'd go, hmm. I'm going back to the Garden of Eden and eat what he told me to eat. And we'll see what happens. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Have you received it? Do you think on a regular basis that my ministry, this opportunity, this demotion that I just got, this job that I just lost, this money that I just invested in the wrong thing, this health issue that I have, this marriage problem, this child issue, do you ever look at that as an opportunity for the gospel? I mean, is that your orientation? Is that the first thing you think? Another opportunity just to show the world and everybody around me what a great God I have through the pain and the suffering and the disappointment that I'm going through? Through the challenge that I have in my marriage or with my kids? Do you understand that that's an opportunity and that's your purpose in life? And you're going to impact more people by how you respond to suffering and trials and hurts and pains and disappointments. You're going to impact more people through those than you'll ever impact them through getting a promotion. Winning the lottery. Winning the lottery is not proven to be a blessing to a lot of people that's won the lottery. They don't know what to do with the money. Just ask someone, okay, if you, if you all of a sudden found out having no idea about this uncle that he had a million dollars stashed under his mattress and he left it all to you. What are you going to do with that million dollars? 
Because the first thing out of your mouth is, I'm going to give it to build missions and for the Great Commission. Would that be the first thing? I'm going to do good for others. I'm going to give it to poor people. I'm going to give it until there's no more left. My goal, and I have a friend that, that had that kind of money more than that. But his goal was to give it all away before he died. To invest it in the Great Commission, to invest it in people's lives, to see in people who are out there on the front lines in their business, in the marketplace, in their homes, and overseas as missionaries. To help poor people and people that are in dire need. And they're, they're not slobs, they're not people that don't want to work, they're good people that are just in bad times. Like the Depression was. Just good people that couldn't find jobs, that couldn't provide for their family. He said, I'm going to help those people. I'm going to help people that have real needs. And if I enable some people that are lazy and they're not, shouldn't get my money, then if I find out that later, I'm still not going to regret helping them. It's a spirit. It's the heart that wants to help and wants to relieve pain and wants to lift up and, and help people that are less fortunate. That's the spirit that we've been given. And so we see opportunities for the gospel. We see opportunities for Jesus Christ to be lifted up. And that name that we know is powerful, that name that we know is wonderful, that they would know him too and they would become hungry. And they would come to us when they see us in our pain and our suffering and they'd see us dancing on the chaos of life. Having peace that surpasses all comprehension. Being anxious for nothing. Not being fearful. And they just go, I don't know what you got, but I need it. What's too bad and I think very sad in the body of Christ is that we, as Christians, look at other Christians that are just being Christian. And they're doing all that stuff. They have faith. They are dancing on the chaos. They are just doing what Jesus said to do. They're turning the other cheek. They're going the second mile. They're blessing people who persecute them. They're praying for their enemies. And people just go, wow. What do you mean, wow? He's just doing what Jesus told him to do. Jesus said, this is a life you've been called into. This is a spirit that I've given you. It's not a spirit of timidity. It's a spirit of boldness. It's a spirit of knowing who you are. It's a spirit of security. It's a spirit of putting your hopes and dreams in something that can never be taken away from you. What are you putting your hopes and dreams in? Where's your security lie? What's your rock that you're building your life on that can never be shaken? See, we have that. It's been answered. Now let's go do something with it. And when someone's out there, and we appreciate everybody that's living by faith and not by sight. But when they're just out there just living what Jesus told them to do, Jesus would just say, he's just doing what I told him to do. Now one day he'll get a good and faithful servant from Jesus. He'll get a shoulder chuck at the gate because he didn't like hugging. He's going to hate heaven because he didn't like hugging. It's part of heaven. He's not going to like all the hugging that goes on in heaven. There's a lot of hugging going on in heaven, guys. So just get ready, okay? If you happen to be going there and you're, you're hug deprived. By choice. So guys, what we're talking about here is raising up guys who live these kind of lives. Creating an environment right here where you're around men who are living these lives so you can learn to be that kind of guy. You're not so easily disappointed. You're not so easily threatened. You're not so easily hurt. You're not so fearful. You're a lot more secure than that. I mean, these guys that are over there and they're having to kill people in Allah's name and all this kind of stuff. How insecure can you get? 
I mean, everything threatens their faith. Everything threatens their religion. They're just, I mean, isn't their God strong enough to handle his own religion? See, my God's strong enough to handle himself. He doesn't need me out there defending him or killing you because you don't agree with me. Because my God is secure. My God is solid. My God is, I know who he is. He knows who he is. We don't have to do that. I defend him by my lifestyle. I defend him by my faith. I defend him by, by reflecting who he is in my life and character and my goals and my vision that I have. That he's given me. I don't have to go out there and kill somebody. How insecure is that? And how many they got to kill before they've really gotten there? Of course, you know, if I'm telling you there's a a bunch of virgins up there and you're going to get to go and be with them, I guess you can get people to blow themselves up (laughs) and you with them. But it's just madness. That's the religion of the devil. But it's not just isolated with a group called ISIS and all the other groups like that out there. It's in the corporate headquarters. It's even in the church. But see, you and I have to have the vision to be able to spot it when we see it and then pray for it, not criticize it. Isn't that a good spirit to have? God didn't show you a shortcoming in somebody else's life so you could criticize them. He showed you that so you could pray for them. You'd know how to pray. So it's those responses that we're trying to learn to have. My first response is, I got a gift, I'm giving it away. My first response is, I see a problem in their life, I see sin in their life, I'm going to pray. That's the kind of men that we want to produce here. And that's the kind of men that have turned the world upside down for 2,000 years. And those guys are here now. And those guys are you. You're the plan. Remember, when they asked Jesus... What's your plan? They tried to get him to be their king. He said no. They tried to get him to get involved in politics. He said no way. Has a place, but I'm not. That's not why I came. That's not my deal. And they said, what is your plan? He looked around the room like this, and he saw some tax gatherers sitting at his table. And he says, see that guy, that tax gatherer? Yeah, we hate his guts. His name's Levi. Cheats his own people and works for the enemy. Well, that may be true, but he's a plan. Well, if he's a plan, maybe you could be the plan. If he's a plan, maybe you ought to say, get it in our new t-shirt, I'm the plan. And they go, what plan would that be? I'm God's plan to reconcile the world to himself. What's your plan? I'm God's plan With this ministry of reconciliation, I know what I'm about. I know why I'm here. Would you be reconciled to God? Are you reconciled to God today? Do you understand that you're saved? Do you understand you're forgiven for every... Do you understand what your life purpose is? It's to glorify Jesus Christ by living a life that glorifies Him, reflects His nature, His character, being transformed and conformed into His image. Let's don't be confused about that. Let's be dancing on that. Let's get out there and just give Him heaven. Amen. And that's the kind of guys we're producing right here. We're producing guys that give them heaven out there. They got enough hell. And they're living in it. And God says, go reconcile them to me. And then they can be reconciled to each other. Can we stack hands on that, guys? Everybody get up. Stand up. We're going to stand in his presence.
Father, that's what we're doing today. We're just standing in the presence of God. We're just giving you glory. We're just saying, Lord, thank you for the reconciliation that we have in Christ. Thank you for leaving your throne in heaven and coming down and giving us new life and making us new creatures in Jesus. We're unusual. We know that. We're, we're, we're not like the norm, but neither are you. And so we're being conformed to our King, our Savior, our Lord's image. So we can go out there and give them heaven today. Whoever are, I pray for the, for the oncologist I'm going to meet with today that we could give him heaven. And that he would hear and see in us the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I pray you'd prepare his heart for that. Everybody in this room's got somebody we could pray for today that you're going to give us divine appointments for. That we could go out there and remember who we are in Christ. And remember what our mission is in life. And it's all because of you, Lord. Thank you for giving us this mission and help us to be good stewards. In Jesus' name, and all God's men said, Amen. Give them heaven, guys.